This podcast was brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton, originally airing on Sirius XM. We're happy to join on this show uh, with our guest, John Rowley, who is the founder of CounterPoint Messaging. He's the founder of Crisis Red Team. John has worked over on over 500 political campaigns for Democrats in 47 states, winning 81% of his campaigns. And he has worked with candidates from the president and governor to city council and with 20 members of Congress. So he's got very interesting experience and we're really happy to have him on the show. Hello, John. Hey team, how are we doing? Doing very well, thanks for asking, John. Great to have you on the program. This is super, to me, absolutely fascinating, John. And I want to get your perspective on this from a brand crisis perspective, because mm-hmm. uh, the, the, it's when I talk about this in my class, I talk about the notion that the Chinese symbol for crisis is made up of actually two characters. One stands for roughly translated in English as danger, but the other stands for opportunity, roughly translated. And so uh, can you speak a little bit about, well, actually, first two things, uh, in, terms of a, in terms of how you would grade the branding of both parties. Give each of the parties a grade on how well they are doing right now in terms of currently branding themselves and where there might be important aspects or crises to be you know, aware of that maybe marketing theory and or branding marketing strategy can potentially address. Well, I think you've got a like quadruple asterisk for the Republicans <laughs> right now. I mean, they I mean, if if you're a person in the Republican Party of good intention and good heart. You've just got to be horrified by a lot of what's going on. I mean, obviously, I'm on the Democratic side of things, but I mean, just dealing with the Trump era, if it's been hard for left-leaning people, I would argue it's been, in its own way, hard for incumbents uh, on the Republican side. And so, I mean, the Republican brand is just in tatters because it's essentially the Trump brand now. There are things he has advanced that are, you know, in terms of that are, whether it's uh, protectionist. Uh, or, you know, kind of a devolving of any sort of uh, family values, moral agenda that used to be a key tenet of the Republican Party. I mean, there are so many things that he's advanced that are just, there's dissonance between who Republicans have been by anybody's standard for decades. Um, you know, I think the, uh, I think about the Democrats, there's, it's kind of twofold. The party itself has some big challenges, um, and but I think I think President Biden has a brand that's kind of a cut above um, the, the Democratic brand right now because it's personified, and you know, um, and I think the you know another, another thing that is just very different about the political world and the president's challenge right now is you know in corporate marketing may, maybe in that rare instance do you have some comparative messaging that goes on something fun like a mac and pc or mm. cola wars um mm-hmm. uh, one time i had a funeral home operator that hired me because they wanted to go negative on another funeral home by <laughs> embalming bodies and we we talked them out of that strategy <laughs> as, a, as a little bit too hot to handle even uh-huh. for a political ad maker And um, but the amount of incoming fire uh, that you just don't have to deal with. I mean, even if you're a, you know, cable company or or whatnot that has a lot of customer service challenges and or a payday loan company that maybe gets a lot of, you know, grief from different circles. So I think one of the big branding challenges for for the president is to, you know, develop a brand and get a message out in a way that can absorb some of the incoming 
And if you look back to President Obama's uh, presidency, one of the big failures, I mean, mm. you've got a team and a candidate that was maybe one of the great brand building messengers in the campaign realm of all time. And then they got an office and they really were very poor at getting their message out, you know, mm-hmm. with, around the stimulus, around health care. And it's and it's also hard um, because you are impacted by the events of the day. And so I think that's one of the big challenges, you know, President Biden and his team have and uh, going forward. And I think they're I think they're learning some of the lessons of the good and bad of the Obama presidency, since a lot of them came out of that. But mm-hmm. they're going to have their work cut out for them from a messaging and branding perspective. So I, I kind of want to separate out, I think, I, and I think you're talking about both things, but you talked a little right. bit about creating the brand identity. Biden needs a brand. What And America's asked you, what's the brand identity of the two parties? And then the other thing is some of this messaging stuff that you brought up with the funeral parlor. Let's just <laughs> dig a little deep into that. You said you've done, you know, over 500 political campaigns. What is your position on this notion of negative campaign, you know, negative messaging versus positive messaging? Do you have a philosophy on that or how do you feel is the most effective communication style and why? Right. Well, it it is, it kind of has, I kind of believe in a, I I call it the Frank Lloyd Wright school of development advertising strategy, which means his architecture, no matter what you think about him as a person was, was it organically came from the landscape. And so I think a, a political strategy has Interesting. organically come from the political environment you're running in and mm-hmm. the candidates that are in the race. And so I've been involved in campaigns where we defeated incumbents and didn't say one word about our opponent, but there was a reason we were able to do that. We've been involved in campaigns where we defeated incumbents and won upsets where we hardly said anything positive in the TV and digital realm mm-hmm. we were working. And so it's, it's really got to fit the situation. I mean, then you've also got just some legal things that there's nothing more protected legally in the United States like political candidate speech, whereas... Oh, it's hard to believe some of that stuff been, that's been said recently is... Yeah, exactly. Whereas, that legal you know, structure. Yeah. Two tech companies, two restaurants, they can't say the they don't have the same latitude mm. advertising. And I think, you know, honestly, consumers would react a little differently from a scorched earth advertising campaign because you're dealing with choice behavior versus maybe trying to, you know, expand market share. And um, so I think that those are a couple of things. I mean, negative advertising just based on recall, I mean, all sorts of cognitive research around politics, we know by a three and four to one measure, people remember negative information. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's I think it's also going to be one of the big challenges that the vice president and president have because they're going to see an onslaught now that we're in the meme and social media Ah, and that that is probably unlike even what Obama experienced. And uh, so how they kind of build their message and brand to absorb negativity Mm. bring that in is going to be a big a big factor. If you were asked, if you were asked you know, as being, you know, managing the media crisis issue and founder of CounterPoint Messaging of the Crisis Red Team in your company, John, and you were asked, what is the the Democrats brand currently right now on February 15, 2021? What would your answer be? I think it'd be, it would be, part of it would be polarized because America is so polarized. I think the, um, um, I think what, 
what the president is trying to accomplish is to be the anecdote from what we just came out of. So, you know, it's if if we had a new product launch, calm and competent would not be a sexy new product. Mm. The you know the the president is mm. you know he's he has his positives, he has his challenges. He's not a sexy new product. <laughs> big part of it is yeah. to be the antidote to what people don't like about the era we've been through. So, mm-hmm. um, competent. You know, I mean, if if you wanted to boil something down to a tagline, which I, I don't know that they're there yet, but I mean, I think a lot of what they're going to be focused on is making government work, getting mm. people back to work, you know, turning the corner on on COVID. I think the I think the challenge is, is that the Democratic brand is seen as the government brand. Right. And and then on the more negative side. We are seen as the spending, defunding, defending of Washington brand. Mm-hmm. And that's not that's not necessarily fair, but th- there's been a conversation that's gone on that at the local, federal, and presidential level, our side hasn't done a great job of of defending. And then and then it's just it's really a fact. Some may see this as a partisan statement. There is a there's not just like a a, a meme spread a message machine out there. There's literally one of the most effective communications um, networks to spread lies. I mean, and so how to deal with the lie factory that, that happened and both, both sides, things, you know, both sides are capable of lying, but there is an amazing network um, uh, that the Republicans, I was amazed as we looked at surveys and, and all around the country, how high, but the vice president Biden, now president Biden's negatives were, we saw districts where his negatives, they'd creep them as high as Biden's in swing districts and or Biden and Trump's negatives were the same. If there is an advantage to not talking about the depth of policies and, and the intricacies of policies, which is more of a cognitive informational kind of thing. And there's an advantage just to making an, an identity argument. If indeed that's true, John, how should Democrats react to that? Should they keep trying to get people to think about political decision-making uh, in terms of policy and information? Or, or should they say, no, we actually need a different approach, which is maybe we need to do a bit more of this you know, emotional piece or this identity kind of piece and, and all of that. What are your thoughts on that? Well, my belief is, um, especially in a big campaign where, inf- where voters will get a lot of information, a congressional, a Senate race, Georgia that just happened, the presidential, is we've got to lay down our best cards first that resonate the best. So a lot of, a lot of uh, again, the progressive kryptonite, as I call it, is <laughs> to begin in the weeds and then branch out to their most memorable messaging. I mean, in a big campaign, you want to have the emotionally resonant message that's kind of the top of the spear, but then you also want to be able to broad out, broaden out to different audiences, people that read online in detail, people who read mail, editorial boards. I mean, so a great campaign has the seven-second, 30-second, five-minute, 60-minute answer, but still there's a message thread mm. run through all of that. And uh, But uh, there's, a, there's a way lawyers are taught to uh, communicate in court. It's called the Iraq argument method, and it begins kind of broad, and then you finally conclude with something memorable. Mm-hmm. Uh, Too many Democratic campaigns are mm-hmm. kind of inversely proportional. Uh, 
to lay your topic sentence down, build your argument from there, like our eighth grade literature teacher taught us to do. <laughs> well, John, thank you so much for joining us today. And if people want to find out more about you, where can they go? Uh, counterpointmessaging.com. That's a little bit about our democratic firm. For more insight from Business Radio, please visit businessradio.wharton.upenn.edu.